God bless you all. It's wonderful to see you. Um, amen. I'll just remind you, if you want to um, give towards Move the Mission, today is our last service that we're taking up that offering. You can use the card reader, or you can see me for that. And if you want to uh, participate with what Sister Dora is doing with her fundraiser, she's here to to help you with that too. Amen. Um, I'm thankful for that. Praise God. Well, we are blessed and delighted to have Sister Schoonover with us, and I asked her if she would take some time to speak to our congregation tonight. So I want to invite her up and uh, let her follow after the Lord. Amen. God bless you, Sister Schoonover. Thank you. That pulpit looks familiar. I'm so glad to be here tonight. I miss the east side. But I'm in the will of the Lord on the west side. And God is blessing us so much there. So much. Never thought I in my whole life that I would have a Tacoma address. But I have one now. Tacoma, the aroma of Tacoma. And we are right downtown. Not kind of, not really, but uh, there's a, one of our favorite restaurants. Our apartment is on the first floor of our apartment. So we get to smell it, order to go all the time. One of our favorite grocery stores is right across the street. So why cook? Bishop goes across the street every night and gets fresh bagel for the next morning when he gets up. So this is kind of interesting. We always thought we would retire in the city. I don't know why, but I thought the Lord had changed that. Um, and just live like the Italians do. Just get little meals, fresh food, um, just, you know, for the day. And we're kind of doing that right now. We're working very hard at the church as Elder Flowers, Sister Flowers. You know how that goes. And God is going to do a great thing there. So, oh, yeah, we're not retired. And I don't know that we'll ever retire. I told somebody earlier today, I think, I think we're missionaries to Washington. So not going to put our roots down anywhere, but I'm really happy to be in Washington if I have to travel everywhere, I'm, you know, only within four or five hours of most of my grandchildren. So I just want to, um, a couple of you have asked me, quite a few of you asked me about Jordan. We haven't gone yet. We will be leaving a week from this Friday, so in 10 days to Jordan. And I sent Brother Timothy a picture, if you want to put that up. That's still what it looks like. That's Jordan what it looked like when we were there in 2004. It's desert. It's very hot. It's right next to Syria and, um, and Israel, Iraq. 96% is Muslim. 96% of the population is Sunni Muslim, which is the traditional Muslim. 86% of the entire world is Sunni Muslim. And 4% is Greek Orthodox. 
and then 2% are all the little things that are hiding out. We were there in 2004 and had a, a, a credible time of ministry. Um, said I'd never go back there. So um, it can be, you never know what it's going to be like there. Um, my daughter, Lauren, I came back and I was so changed by some experiences there. And at that time, we still had the school. And uh, I talked about Jordan a lot. So now, Lauren, this is going to be Jordan 2.0. Here I go. And um, a very interesting, interesting place. I'm assuming that uh, most of what we're going to be doing is uh, ministering to the missionaries. It's a national conference. And so pray for us. I was praying this morning, and my husband does not, he's not one to do canned, canned sermons or one to flip out his best um, sermons to when he goes on a, a conference. And um, we need to hear from God to minister to these missionaries. I've already gotten the call that there's a number of neighboring countries, uh, the missionaries there that will be coming in, as well as the nationals. And I bring this to you just to say we need your prayers while we're gone. We fly out a week from this Friday, and we return maybe uh, September 8th or so, just barely enough time to get to the wedding. So we're excited about that. September 8th or 9th, you're married on the 10th. Yeah, yeah, so here we go. So it's very good to be here. I received an awesome, before I get into the word of the Lord, I received an awesome testimony this morning. A young girl that I'm working with, and she's been really battling depression. She's fighting a lot of very hard trials in her life. Um, she came, she had a tough start in the beginning. She was adopted from a, a, a somewhere way across the way, and she deals with detachment and abandonment and all these things. And she's been serving the Lord for some time, and she's just really struggling. And every day when I talk to her, I'm trying to get her to speak life, speak life, speak life, because her all she can see is the darkness and the hardship, and I've watched her literally pray through at the altar and then get up and just, you know, how you doing, how you feel? Well, I feel like I don't want to live. You know, just go right back to after praying through, speaking those words, and I've just been ministering to her on how important our words are that we speak. Well, I want to tell you a situation she was involved with today. It's, it's a beautiful testimony. She uh, called yesterday, and her father, who doesn't live with her, is, uh, goes to a, a different church in Bellevue, and he wants to be baptized. And they're going to they baptize all the people in their church twice a year, and they're meeting at the river up in North Bend, and they're going to baptize. And my father wants me to be there. And so I don't know anything about the way sh they baptize. This girl's been in church long enough to know the doctrine of Jesus, the doctrine of Christ, the apostles' doctrine. She knows it. And um, so pray for me. And so we agreed in prayer. And then um, that was yesterday. She went and she called me this morning. And so her, while they were waiting to be baptized, 
they all had special t-shirts and cameras everywhere and it was really um, it was uh, it was very well scripted for the video and while they were in line her father turned to her and said are they doing it right because she's been trying to talk to her God about salvation for some time and she said actually no they're baptizing in the name of the Father the name of the Son the name of the Holy Ghost dad what is that name she had talked to him just enough and they both said Jesus and she says dad the name of Jesus needs to be applied so he just looked straight ahead and she just thought what am I gonna do so it was his turn and the pastor asked her you the daughter would you like to come help me dunk him sure so they go out on the river together that was yesterday in the afternoon near North Bend and they're getting ready to baptize him and this sweet girl the one that's fighting so much depression she uses her words and she says I have something I need to say it's really important that he is baptized the way I understand scripturally Jesus name must be applied and this man, I guess she told me, looked at her in complete shock. And then, then, and, uh, how dare you talk to me like that? And there's, you know, she said it quietly because all the cameras were going there. He didn't say anything. So then he, he dunked the Father. Now baptize you in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost, in Jesus' name. And he said it. It was quiet, but he turned away from the cameras. In Jesus' name. And she called and she said, I'm so happy. Jesus' name was applied. And I said, it most certainly was. And I'm so happy for you that you spoke out. It is a matter of salvation that the name of Jesus be applied in baptism. And so she believes he's going to receive the Holy Ghost. So that was a beautiful testimony. And her, a friend of hers was there and got it all. Of course, they all had their cell phones and got it on video. But I've been working with this young girl concerning her words. The words we speak are so important. Do you believe that? We know the scripture, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. There's a lot of scripture about our words. We know that God spoke the world into existence. He spoke the heavens into existence. Words are powerful. I believe, have you ever heard the saying? Show me your books, the books you're reading now, and show me the group of friends you're hanging with, and I'll show you the person you're going to be in five years very true what you read what you digest what you take in and who you hang out with is who you're going to be in five years let me say this what you speak the way you talk is who you are going to be just as well and I pulled out just a couple of stories in the Bible to look at that 
one of them, we're going to start in the book of Jeremiah, when uh, God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. And I love the first chapter of Jeremiah. We're just going to read that together. I'm going to get right to the point on this. There's an ambulance at my house, and my dog has been involved, and supposedly it's not a good thing. So, in fact, Brother Flowers, do you want me to continue or do you want me to hand this over to you? Let's pray. Father, I pray for the situation at my house. I pray, O oh God, for the man that fell on the bike. I pray, oh God, I, I pray that he is not hurt. I pray, oh God, that you will keep him. I pray, oh God, for my dog, if she was involved in any way. Let your will be done, God. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your will be done. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to keep this real quick and, and hand this over because I believe this is important. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Oh, Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a youth. Jeremiah is talking back to God. But the Lord says to Jeremiah, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. For do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put words in your mouth. What stood out to me? I've, I've read that. I've used that, how the Lord has formed us and knew us in the womb. That's a great pro-life scripture. All of this, we've read all of this chapter a number of times in its different layers and applications. But look at where the Lord says back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, I'm just a youth. I can't speak. And the Lord says, do not say you are a youth. Do not say it. Because I have a plan. I have a plan. The words we speak are powerful. I'm going to read one more scripture to you and hurry along here. I'm trying to not let a dog get in the middle of my life right now. But I sure love her. Who doesn't love their dog? Lord, forgive me. Let them not take away Molly, oh God. Please. 
me find it here. I'm just a little bit distracted now. There was a famine in the land of Samaria in the book of 2 Kings. There was a famine that was so great in the land of Samaria that they had actually resorted to cannibalism. And I'm going to read this to you starting in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadid, king of Syria, gathered all of his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. That's dove doo-doo they're talking about, if you need the King James interpretation. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? Because there was nothing there. Then the king said to her, what is troubling you? And she answered, this woman said to me, give me your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard those words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by the wall, the people looked and there was underneath he had a sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do to me and more also if the head of Elijah, that's the prophet, the son of Shaphat remains on him today. But Elijah was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to see him, he said to the elders, do you see how the son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold him fast at the door. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still talking with them, there was a messenger coming down to him. Then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Then Elisha said, so the king, if you follow this, that king, the king of Samaria, went to see the prophet of Elijah. And he had a servant with him. He's leaning on the servant. He can hardly walk from his weakness of the famine. Verse, chapter 7, verse 1. But then Elijah said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a sheath of fine flour shall be so sold for a shekel, and two sheaths of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now that's a miracle. That's a very cheap price, and there was no barley around no flour around but the prophet Elijah is says tomorrow this is the way it's going to be so the officer the helper who's on hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said look if the Lord would make windows in heaven could this thing be 
And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. I want to read it to you in the NLT. Elijah replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that could happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. He was being can I use the word smart aleck? He didn't believe. Oh, they're in a famine. People, it's so bad, people have started eating one another. That's how terrible it is. And he's like, yeah, as if the Lord's going to open up the windows of heaven and the food's just all going to fly out. Most of us might kind of, trying to wrap our brain around it. But Elijah, the prophet of God, he replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. He spoke himself into a bad place. Others were able to eat of it, but because of his reply, that man did not. How powerful are our words. How powerful are our words. I have a lot more, but I'm going to speak words of faith that they're not going to take away my dog. The ambulance and the police and everybody's there at my house and hopefully Molly didn't bite. She never has before, but she hasn't been with me lately, so maybe she's a bad girl now. I don't know. And that, that whoever fell is going to be okay. So, But let me say to you, think about what you say. God hears you. God hears you. I'll quickly tell you a story. My father, my father's father, my grandfather that I never met ever because he died before I was born, he died at the age of 50 from a massive heart attack, my grandfather. He had never had heart problems. I've been told his father died the same way. I'm not really sure of that. My father, being the great man he was, just a wonderful man, he always said, ah, when I get 50, I'm going to probably die just like my dad died of a heart attack. It runs in the fa family, so you've got to be nice to me now. Oh, when I'm 50, I'm probably going to go like my dad. That's how they all go in the Fisher family. My father never had heart problems. He was 50 for three months, had a major heart attack, and died. We don't think about it. We're always talking about faith, faith for healing, faith for, you know, God to help us get a job, faith that God will help us cover our bills, faith that our children will serve God. Faith can go one way or the other, speaking those words. It wasn't until many years later I knew God when my father died. But it wasn't until many years later that I studied enough of the word of God that I, Dad, 
you've just prophesied your death. Remember Dylan, my nephew Dylan? Dylan had a little hole in his heart when he was born. They, that's not uncommon. Usually they grow back together by the time they're five. Dylan's hole did not grow back together, so when he was 12, they did a minor surgery and sewed that little hole. No big deal. Heart surgery is always a big deal, but no big deal. These days, probably an outpatient. Dylan, though, all of his life was told, don't do that. You have a bad heart. Dylan, don't pick that up. You have a bad heart. Dylan, you cannot run. You have a bad heart. Dylan, be careful. You can't ride that bike very fast. You have a bad heart. I heard my sister say that all of his life. I heard his sister say that to him all of his life. Dylan came home with me to Washington. He couldn't even carry the groceries from the car to the house without me thinking he's having a heart attack. Bent over. <gasps> I'm like, do I need to call 911, Dylan? I told you I have a bad heart. Well, okay, give me the groceries. Let's walk in the house. Over a period of time, I got them into doctors. Doctors referred them to specialists. Dylan saw a cardiologist here in Yakima. The cardiologist came to me and said, his heart is as healthy as any 25-year-old man's heart. Your challenge is changing the way he's thinking up here. He'd worked with him just enough to say, good luck with that. So I had a sit-down talk with Dylan. Dylan, if, it's your, if you're out of breath, it's because we never move. We meaning, nice way of saying you, you. We've got to go for walks. Dylan, you will walk to the mailbox and get the mail. But all of his life, talked him right into not moving, out of breath. Words matter. We've always heard that in the extreme example. Words matter about be careful what you say to your children. Be careful what you self-talk to yourself. And what I'm trying to do with this beautiful 30-something-year-old girl right now, be careful. Don't pray through, speak in tongues for 10 minutes, and get up and say, I don't feel like living. You're not going to say things like that to me without me dragging you to the doctor. I'll pray for you, but I also have a sense of a responsibility when you start talking like that. Words matter. We can say to ourselves, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve God all the days of my life. I'm going to study the word. I'm going to pray and ask God to write that word upon my heart as I read it and help me to understand it. I'm going to understand it more. I'm going to apply it every day that I read it. I'm going to pray in faith, believing. I'm going to go to Jordan and have a great time. I am going to do that. God is going to do something. I am not going to deal with fear. I am not going to be afraid. I know that God is doing a work. 
I'm going to speak it. I'm going to learn to love Tacoma. I'm going to learn to love my apartment. I will speak it. And you know, we, those are little things, but they are so true. Look for how many times, think about it. That, that prophet Elijah said, tomorrow morning you're going to have flour, you're going to have rye, you're going to have this. And the guy says, yeah, right, it's going to fall out of the windows of heaven. And, God, and Elijah points his finger, probably, don't think it said that in the Bible, and said, well, they will, but you won't. I'd never, never seen that before, and it jumped out at me. Okay, God, okay, okay. I am safe in Tacoma. I love Tacoma, and I do. I love my life. I love my life, and I love being with you. And God bless you all. I pray, God, God help us to speak words that are life. Help us to speak words that are encouragement to those around us. Help us to speak the words you would have us to speak. Words of faith. Words of thankfulness. Help us, Lord, to pray with faith, believing that many around us will have salvation. Help us to speak the truth in the hour of need. To speak out the name of Jesus. To speak the words, the apostles' doctrine that you have given us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Sister Schoonover. Thank you for ministering to us. I don't know if you've realized it or not tonight, but even though Bishop is not here, we are receiving ministry from the spirit of ministry of our oversight. You believe that? Amen. There was, uh, if, if you haven't heard him, I encourage you to uh, check out some of Brother Hart's podcasts. I'm not giving him just a plug for fun, but there was uh, a, a, a one that he did with Brother Bartell. You might remember Brother Bartell, uh, who, was, who was here and ministered a while back. And I was listening to that the other day. There was a word, a singular word that was spoken by Brother Bartell that just really uh, stood out to me. I'll just tell you the word first, and maybe it'll get your attention like it did mine, but it came back to me while Sister Schoonover was ministering here. The word is satanic. I don't even know if any of you heard it, if you remember the context in which he said it at least the time that I heard it but he said just so the scripture says that the devil is it calls him the accuser of the brethren what does it mean to accuse somebody it means to tell them to, to say what's wrong about them or what they've done that's wrong an accusation is you did this or you are this 
<coughs> that's what the scripture says is the, the, the calls him the accuser of the brethren. What Brother Bartell said that was about this, and I can relate, you probably can too, at least some of us. When you, it, I'll be honest with you, I try to watch my mouth every time, every time. But there's a few times that I let my mouth go, and you know who I'm talking to and about when I let my mouth go? Myself. My kids don't even hear it. My wife doesn't even hear it. I do it when I'm alone. And um, usually it's when I'm frustrated with something or, you know, the, just the, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, my blood pressure is getting all high and I'm thinking it. you could have. What, what Brother Bartell was, said was when you start talking about yourself that way, you are engaged in satanic work. Why? Because that's his job. His job is to tell you and everybody else how bad you are. Why would you agree with that? Why would you help him with that? Now, some of us probably... if we don't watch our words very carefully, not only say and talk and think this way about ourselves, but about others. Your brethren. Ah, it's getting a little hot in here. It's not the air. I, 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 I feel this from the Lord with what Sister Schoonover was sharing. Your words, yes, your words matter. And regardless of who it is you're talking to or who it is you're talking about, your words matter. None of us is exempt from this. We all have the faculty of speaking that the Lord gave us. I feel like what the Lord... I, I watched... When I was a kid, I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid, I watched a lot of cartoons. Tom and Jerry type. And I've, I, I know what it looks like for a tongue to roll out and roll across the room. But I'm just telling you, what I, what I feel here is in the spirit is not too far off from that depiction because some of us need to get our tongues out, roll them out, and get a toothbrush and just scrub them really good. Clean up the act. Clean up the word. Whether it's about yourself or somebody else that you have let words come out. The devil doesn't need any help. I'm going to say it again. The devil doesn't need any help. I'm going to say it a third time. The devil doesn't need any help. Your brother needs help. 
your sister needs help. You need help. I need help. We need help from the Lord. We got to examine. We need to examine the words that we say. I didn't want to go here, but I will. Maybe it'll help somebody. Last week is how recent it was. Now, we tell our kids, don't talk to us when we're trying to concentrate on driving. That doesn't mean the whole time I'm driving you can't talk, but there are certain times if I'm in a heavy traffic or if I'm backing up or if I'm in a, a something, hang on. Well, one such occurrence happened when I was at the wheel and a child who w will remain nameless was in the car and in my defense this is not the first time that this has ever happened I don't know what it is about you as soon as you get in that car you want to be the first one to call whatever you want when you're a family of seven can you do this will you do that can you we watch this can we hear that will you play this will you turn that? I call this I call that and sometimes I'll be honest with you I don't care at all it's like a, a, I don't even hear it and other times it's the last nerve of mine that that word touches. I'm just being honest with you all tonight. But one such occurrence happened, and they said, can we listen to? And I said, not right now. Well, why? Because I was in reverse, and I was backing out, and I was watching. And, wanted to and as I'm doing all those things, the question came, why not? I was trying to be polite with my not right now. And that was about the extent of all the politeness in that moment that I had. I'm not proud to say, but I feel like I should confess that I raised my voice and then got the message across that you don't talk to me when I'm in this state. And then it was a quiet car ride. Wasn't it, Noel? It was a quiet car ride. It wasn't her. She, would, she just happened to be there. Uh, all the way about halfway to where we were going. And then the Lord started talking. And it was still a quiet car ride. But <laughs> the Lord started talking and saying, are you done with that? You're really just going to fly off and move on. Is that how you want to handle this situation? I thought, no, <laughs> no, that's not how I, I, I'm already well beyond how I would want to handle this situation. But what are you going to do now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if there's one thing I do not like to do, it's apologize. And I don't know if that's human nature or flowers nature or man nature. I don't know. <laughs> but I thought I need to apologize 
because I've seen what harsh words going uncorrected do to people. I've seen that many times over in many in various situations. And I thought, well, if there's one thing I do not want for my child's life, it is the ramification of harsh words being spoken and then undealt with. <laughs> uh, why don't you go ahead and stop the recording? <laughs>